Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast of intimate education and inspiration where we practice deeply listening and appreciating the perspectives of others to make the world a sexier, more loving place. Our guest today is a 27-year-old straight, white, cis male who has been both monogamous and polyamorous with his partner of five years. He is into redheads, giving oral edging and cross-dressing. A photographer and carpenter from Montana, welcome Kenyon. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here to share your sex stories. Can you start out by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer with 10 being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey at all, where do you fall right now? I would say that I fall probably right around a six or a seven. It depends on the topic of conversation for me. So like in talking with friends about my very vanilla sex life, I'm like a three. But if I were to start talking with my friends about some of the more interesting or somewhat kinkier stuff, then it starts to jump up a fair bit for sure. Okay. What about non-friends? Oh, if I was to just speak with a stranger on the street about it, I would say it would probably be, I wonder if hiding in anonymity might make it lower. Stranger's pretty broad. What if it was like you go to a sex shop and you're talking to the person there? I would say like a three. Okay. I feel very comfortable in that setting. And what about with your partner? With my partner, I would say it is a one. Very open with my partner. Pretty much right off the bat, the shame was pretty low. Specifically with cross-dressing, I kind of started to gain more and more interest about it and was nervous to talk to my partner about it. But then as soon as I did talk to my partner, she was very open to it and has been very welcoming to the idea. So now I would say that it's very minimal. Fuck yeah. Okay, so can you give us a little overview now of what your sex life is currently like? I have been exploring a lot more with cross-dressing recently. Yesterday, my girlfriend and I went clothes shopping, which was a lot of fun. We just went to Ross and picked out a skirt and a blouse and a dress, which all the sleeves on everything are really short on me because I'm a very large human. I'm six foot seven. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm going to need to do a little bit more research on trying to find clothes that fit a little bit better. You're like long sleeves? Yeah, I tried blouse that had long sleeves and it ended up like pretty much in the middle of my forearm. That's something that I'd like to work on a little bit more. But also I've been trying to focus on maximizing my partner's pleasure, which has been really fun. Like last week, we had a session where I didn't do anything except finger her and then use a toy on her 
And I didn't have penetrative sex with her at all. And she had a huge, incredible orgasm. And I felt sexually gratified from that without even having to have an orgasm, which was a really cool experience. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about like the rhythm and flow of your sex life, especially coming from the perspective of a person who's been in a relationship for five years? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like most things in my life, kind of has ebbs and flows. Both my partner and I, our libidos can definitely be affected by stress. So that's one pretty major thing that will vary how much sex we have. But also, I feel comfortable with my partner when we're having times like that. It doesn't really hinder our relationship. We're mostly able to talk it out and not hold resentment towards each other. And we just kind of both have an understanding that both of us have those ebbs and flows. Okay. So it sounds like you're explicitly communicating with each other about what your needs are sexually, or do you have like a secret language or like looks where you feel into it? I would say that we are both very focused on having a direct dialogue about the things that we're needing both in and out of the bedroom. Okay, cool. Now, can you tell us what counts as sex to you? If you're telling a friend, hey, I just got laid, what are you usually referring to? I would say for me, when it gets to the point that your genitals and somebody else's genitals are involved in any space, I would consider that sex. I would consider no oral sex. And if my girlfriend gives me a hand job, I consider that sex. Like I was saying, feeling sexually gratified, fingering her the other day. I count that as sex. Fuck yeah. When do you feel sexiest? I think I feel sexiest when I feel desired by my partner. Mm. What are some things that are sexy to you that turn you on, that get you going? I think when my partner is displaying a lot of confidence in the way that she acts and dresses turns me on a lot. Like when we go out to, you know, a house party or if we go out to a drag show or go just go out to the bar on a night out and she's dressed to the nines and you can see that she's radiating confidence, that makes me very attracted to her. That's awesome. So now can you give us An example of a sexy, explicitly clear moment of yes, when you have given or received a clear communication that has led to something super hot. I would say the first thing that pops into mind is most recently, my partner and I agreed to get back into pegging. So her consenting to pegging me led to her having an orgasm while pegging me yesterday. And that's something that we have not had happen before. It's also been years since we last pegged. Like it was something that we played with a little bit a while ago. And this time we put in a more high quality bullet vibrator into right behind the strap on. And she had a pretty intense orgasm. I had my women's underwear on and had my skirt pulled up around my back and she was pegging me. I was prone and she was pegging me from behind on top of me. Amazing. Okay. Was the skirt like flouncy or more fitted? It's a pin skirt, I think is what it's called. I'm still learning all of that. I was going to say, I don't know what that is. I'm not a clothes person. It's like a very straight cut skirt. Okay. And so it just was like peeled back up around under my back. And your panties were just like pulled to the side and what no, texture? They were, were they? down oh, down. Uh, oh, pulled down. They were down around my thighs. They're a cheeky cut, is what they're called. They've got like lace frills along the outside of them and along the top mm-hmm. and a cute little ribbon in the front of them. This is kind of jumping ahead, but do you interact or speak to each other differently when you're dressed in femme clothes? That's something that I want to explore more. I haven't really nailed down my femme voice. It's something that I've kind of practiced on my own, but I think the best way to do it more would to be practicing it conversationally with my partner. 
I really relate to that. I also feel like I don't know if I've nailed down my femme voice. Like just in general, I'm like, who am I? What do I sound like? And it's like, <laughs> I listen to myself all the time, but I sound like a child to myself most of the time. <laughs> Can you now tell us if you ever got a helpful sex education lesson or an explicit health and safety talk from a grown-up who you trusted or a lesson in consent? Yes. It's actually interesting. I grew up going to Catholic school went to Catholic school from kindergarten until I was a senior in high school. And it very much broke the stereotype that Catholic school only teach abstinent only sex education. I felt very well informed from my sex education in school. I've always had family members like my mom specifically comes to mind. She always made a point to promote consent. Although it wasn't so much usually in a sexual capacity, like usually it wasn't consent around sex, but consent around, you know, all aspects of life. Right. So, and that kind of translated over into my adult sex life and consent from that base understanding from her. Do you remember any of the framings that you received? You know, the Catholic school informed you and paint us the picture. Like, was it boys only? Were there boys and girls? What do you remember about like the feelings of the teacher? Was it your same teacher? Did they bring in someone else? And like, was it like biology and emotions or was it, what did they tell you? What felt most helpful? I think we did it three times. I think we did it in third grade, fifth grade and seventh grade. And Third grade was like very fundamental pre-puberty type of lessons and just like, you know, general hygiene. They did a portion that was boys and girls separately, and then they did a portion that was all of us together. So that was third grade. And then fifth grade started to talk more about reproduction and safe sex, just kind of a baseline, like very fundamental understanding. But then seventh grade is, I think, when it really was driving home the concept of safe sex. And I even remember them saying, like, it's okay to have sex, like, to some extent, like, I don't think it was ever explicitly, like, you know, go buck wild. But I think it was like, be safe and like, you know, very clear and concise explanations about having safe sex, wow. which I felt grateful to have that knowledge in my life. Totally. That's pretty incredible. So now tell us what happens to your shame meter when it's time to talk to a partner about safer sex and how do you usually handle those conversations? I would say my shame meter does not change when it comes to safe sex. I feel like it stays at baseline. There was a time that I did not follow my learnings from school about safe sex Me too. and it was it was at the beginning of my partner and i's relationship and at the beginning of our relationship we were in polyamory so that adds some complexity to it but i had unprotected sex with a woman and i wound up getting chlamydia from it that was a pretty big deal because my girlfriend and I at the time were also having unprotected sex and she was married and then her husband and her were having unprotected sex. And then his partner was married to another man. And then that guy was dating two other people. So it ended up being a whole huge fiasco. And luckily we all got tested. I didn't feel like anybody was like angry with me. Like I would have totally understood if they were upset, but they really kept it cool and everybody just went and got tested. Luckily, I was the only one who had a positive result. What good fortune. Yes, it just stayed to me. I just took a big pill and then it was gone. <laughs> I went back and got a negative test a little while later and it was fine. Okay. But that definitely, I think, was a big wake up call for me. Yeah, it was something that I really needed to take really more seriously. And so I have been since. Okay. How do you usually start those conversations if it's up to you? I 
usually we'll start just by saying like, do you have any history with sexually transmitted infections? When is the last time you've had unprotected sex? Have you had an STI test done recently? Those kinds of conversations. Awesome. Okay, now take us through your sexual timeline with the important milestones that we need to know to understand Kenyon's formative, middling, and current sex stories. Start at the very beginning. When do you first remember hearing about sex? What do you remember thinking and feeling about it? I think the very first time I remember learning about sex, I was probably six. My brother had a Playboy magazine that he had hid under the couch in our like basement living room. And my cousins and I were playing down there and one of us accidentally kicked it out from under there and we found it together and we're like looking through it and we're like, oh my God, what is this? And then one of my cousins who was a little bit older than me by just a few years, he was the first person to explain to me what an erection was because like I had felt something different and he was the first person to like explicitly explain to me what that means and how that works. One really interesting detail about that magazine is the picture that I remember the most was just a close-up shot of a woman's vagina and it had a teddy bear next to it. And that is like very clearly <laughs> in my brain is something that I will never forget. It's very strange. I don't know what the context of the teddy bear was. There must have been something, but... Who knows? Okay, so post-teddy bear picture memory, Playboy discovery, what was kind of the next piece along your formative timeline? I had these rubber hand puppets, and they were of dinosaurs. And I learned that if you squeeze the air out of the dinosaur hand puppet and then let the air come back in, it would create suction around your pelvis and pull your penis up into it. And that was something that I remember doing a lot. And it's like, oh, this feels good. Like, I don't know really what this is doing, but this feels good. I also remember that I started humping my pillows mm -hmm. and I did it frequently enough that the family dog also started to hump pillows. Like, <laughs> He just like had seen me do it one time and he just started doing it like incessantly. And I remember the dog was in the living room and he hopped up on the couch and started humping a pillow. And I just felt like immediately like scared for some reason. And like, I was like, oh no, like the dog is giving me away. Like, how is this happening? And my sister, she just like pulled him off of there and was just like, hey, quit doing that. Like he was a very smart dog. So I just always thought it was funny that he saw me doing that in my room while he was on his bed and then picked it up. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So it sounds like rubber dinosaur puppets and pillow humping led to maybe self-pleasure at some point. Like was that, it sounds like maybe that was pretty young. So pre-ejaculation, pre-orgasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say I probably started having orgasms, right? Like when I was probably like eight is when I really started to figure it out more, maybe eight or nine. Did you know what it was at that point or were you like, whoa? I don't think I really knew what it was. I think I just knew that it felt good. I think that's kind of one of the things that my cousin taught me a little bit later on was it does lead to an orgasm, like just like in conversation, they explained that to me. Hmm. Okay, so when did you start like exploring with other partners or when did you kind of get to that orgasmic point with yourself? Like what came next? Well, I did not explore with any other partners until I was 16. The next stage after the one we've been talking about, I think I just pretty much was pretty basically just masturbating with my hands. I didn't really have much access to porn. Like we didn't really have good internet when I was growing up for the most part. And we didn't get Wi-Fi until I was like, I think 18. Okay. So I was pretty limited in my resources for that. I feel like I made a few things work, but I can't honestly off the top of my head, remember what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, just jumping forward about your masturbation habits now? Like have they changed since those early years? If you're using your hand, if you can remember. Yeah. I do have a pocket pussy, but I don't use it very often. I don't like cleaning it out. 
Can you explain a pocket pussy for those of us who've never, like, had one in hand? Yeah, sure. So it's a silicone device with a hollow textured cylinder in the middle of it. And then it has a vulva on the front of it. The silicone is usually like skin colored. So that would be the best description. They, they have all sorts of crazy ones. Like they have some that have rotating motors on the inside of them with ball bearings that will like stimulate around your penis the whole time. But they're very expensive. I, I haven't bought one of those. But So yeah, I'd say for the most part, I just stick to using my hand. And I have never been one. I know that it's like a stereotype that men use lotion when they masturbate. But I have never been one to do that for some reason. I don't know. I think there's something about the friction that I enjoy. Okay. So you don't use anything? Typically not. Okay. No. I've fucked a handful or several of people who don't use things on their penises. And it's the reason I feel insecure around hand jobs because I'm like, I don't have the sensory feedback. Right. And to me, it just feels like sticky and frictiony and I can't tell the difference between what's good and what's not good. I feel a little more confident if someone has a foreskin. So are you, can you tell us like technique, are you more like overhand, underhand? What are the parts that are the most sensitive? What do you like to focus on? I focus mostly on my shaft. But my frenulum is very sensitive right at the bottom of the glands, like that little skin strip is very, very sensitive. My girlfriend, maybe three weeks ago, tried giving me a tantric hand job, and that was really incredible. For that, we did use a bunch of coconut oil, like a literal handful of coconut oil. <laughs> and basically the way that we did it was like she was sitting in front of me. And she was stroking my penis and playing with my balls and my perineum and my thighs and just like really gentle touches that kind of were growing more and more like into firm stroking. And that was pretty incredible. Awesome. Okay, so take us back to your teenage years. What were your first partnered experiences like for you? I had my first girlfriend when I was 16. And... I had my first kiss outside of Catholic youth group. I had asked her on a date. We walked outside of youth group, snuck behind the building, and started kissing each other. I lost my virginity, I think, six months into that relationship. And that was after a speech and debate tournament. So basically, we were on the bus, and we were sitting next to each other. And we we're just like, do you want to go? try and have sex after this she actually asked me and i was like yeah absolutely let's try it i was like my mom is not home and there just happens to be a spare mattress downstairs right now let's go do that <laughs> i don't really think either of us were seeing fireworks or having incredible sensation i think neither of us knew really what we were doing but i do look back on that experience fondly even though the sex was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Had there been lead up to penetrative sex before then? Like, so between your first kiss in those six months, like, did you play around? Did you fool around? Yeah, we did. We did a fair bit of fingering and she had given me some blowjobs and we had made out quite a bit before that. Yeah, we definitely took the time to assess and make sure that we were both feeling good about it before we jumped into it, which was good. It sounds like clear communication is a theme of your life so far, or your sexual Yeah, I try to keep it that way. Did you put a sheet on the spare mattress, or was it just like a mattress? <laughs> I think it was just a mattress. <laughs> I mean, maybe there was a blanket involved, but I'm almost certain that it was just a bare mattress down there. I love that, like, <laughs> your mom's not home, but it's like, let's go do it on that spare mattress, just, right. just in case, you know, like... Just to be safe. Yeah. Well, also, since it was in the basement... It was kind of off in the corner. That was part of why we did it there instead of my bedroom upstairs yeah. was if anybody had come home, the basement of that house, it is a very strange layout. It is literally like a maze. Like if you wanted to hide somewhere, that would be a great place to hide. Okay. So that was part of the reason why we did it. So I was like, okay, like we set up a contingency plan. Like, okay, if somebody shows up, you just run to the back and I'm going to get dressed and act like I'm looking for something down here. 
I love it. That is such good forethought. Such good planning. Oh, my God. Okay, so when did sex start to get good feeling for you? Or kind of what were your next? Did you guys stay together? Did you get to practice? Did you have new partners? Yeah, we stayed together for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then after we broke up, occasionally she and I had sort of a friends with benefits situation going on. Yeah. And then after that, I went to college and didn't really have a lot of sexual experience my first year of college. I feel like I was still kind of getting my bearings there. And then after that, it started to pick up a little bit higher frequency. I guess I did have one relationship for about a year and a half while I was in college. My previous partner to the person I'm with right now, okay. we dated for about a year and a half. But I would say for the most part, my sex life in that time was pretty sporadic. Definitely after I moved into a dorm with good Wi-Fi, I definitely started watching more porn. Did you have roommates? I did have one, but he actually walked in on me one time. That was really embarrassing. But he was a cool guy. He basically just like gave me shit for it and moved on. Like he didn't take any issue with it. He was just like, God, dude, you jerking off. And I was just like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the only time having a roommate was ever an issue. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. But also I should take a step back and say also that when I was 18 was the first time that I bought a pair of women's underwear in exploration. And I have not really been able to pinpoint like an exact moment that I just like, felt like I needed to do it. It just kind of was a growing feeling. Divine inspiration, maybe? Okay. Right. Divine inspiration, I suppose. But I went to Walmart at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and ran over to the women's underwear section and didn't even really look at what I was buying. I just like saw like pink underwear and like grabbed it. And then they didn't have self-checkout at the time. So I just like went up and had to have an encounter with another human being and that was the first experience I'd had with that. When did you realize that you liked redheads? Oh, very young. I think when I was maybe in like sixth grade. And I remember talking to a friend of mine. We would talk a fair bit about who we had crushes on. And pretty consistently, my crushes just happened to coincide with the girls who had red hair in our school and my celebrity crushes were all redheads like amy adams was a very key sexual awakening for me as a child okay. <laughs> yeah i would say freckles do play a part this kind of plays into how i met my girlfriend so my girlfriend and i matched on tinder and my girlfriend at the time had told me that she was asexual and that she was all right if I wanted to open up the relationship. So I said, okay. 
So I got on Tinder, matched with my current partner. She was going back to college for her second degree. And she and I just so happened to be in the same program. So we matched on Tinder and I told her that my relationship had just opened up. Well, at that time, she was already a year and a half into polyamory. So she blocked me or she didn't block me. She just ghosted me on Tinder. Oh, first time. Got it. And then I was browsing a porn subreddit called Freckled Redheads. And I saw her come up and I was like, holy shit, that's the girl from Tinder. Like I saw her tattoos. I recognized her immediately. And I was like, no fucking way. This is crazy. So while I was going to school for photography, I had always wanted to do a boudoir shoot, but I had never had the opportunity, known somebody who would have an interest in doing it. And on her Reddit profile, she had already done a few with people. So I messaged her back and I said, this is going to sound weird because it is weird, but <laughs> I, I saw your content on Reddit. And I'm wondering if you would like to do a boudoir shoot with me. And she said, well, let's just meet for coffee first. And I said, okay, that sounds good. We met for coffee and ended up sitting there for like three hours, just talking the whole time and really connected. And one of the things that I always like to tell people that I think is a funny detail is that after the fact, like months later, she told me that when we were in that meeting, she went to the bathroom and texted her friends that she wanted to lick my face. Amazing. So my partner and I now have a very interesting meet cute, I guess you could say. Yeah. Did you do the shoot? Yeah, we did the shoot. Okay. Yep. I can't remember if it was the first shoot or the second shoot that we had sex in the studio. I set up the tripod on a timer and <gasps> took photos of us having sex from different angles. Amazing. and use some really big soft boxes and edge lighting and looked really good. Did she lick your face? <sighs> Eventually she did, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And now it's actually kind of a thing, like if we're just playing around, like trying to tickle each other or something, or I'll just like get in really close to her face and act like I'm acting all nice and cute. And then all of a sudden just like. <sighs> just <leave it. laughs> okay. So circling back pre that very cute meet cute. Did you do anything with those pink Walmart panties? Oh, yes, I did. I wore them out in public a fair bit. One time I remember feeling really scared because I wasn't thinking about it and I wore really baggy jeans. They were just like a size over or something. So they just would slide down very easily. And I like went out into public and like looked and saw that my pink underwear was sticking out. And like I just had to like carry my pants around. I've since started wearing suspenders, which helps a lot with that. I have what I like to refer to as a chalkboard ass. It's basically just my back. And then it's just like straight down, like very <laughs> interesting shape. But yeah, I wore them for a fair little bit out in public. And that always like gave me a thrill. I've never dressed outwardly in women's clothing in public. I opened up to some friends about this last night, and one of the things that they thought might be fun was if I were to cross-dress in public in a space that I would have anonymity, like if I was in a town that I was very unfamiliar with or somewhere that I knew that nobody would recognize me, I think it would be a lot of fun to cross-dress. It would public. be a sight to behold, <laughs> yeah. a six foot seven femme, like that's be so cool. I took my bra measurement the other day uh -huh. and my size is a 48 B. And so the other day I went to Walmart. I went up to the lady that was working in the lingerie section. She's stocking clothes. And I went up to her and I was like, my girlfriend asked me to pick up a bra for her. And she, I was like, could you help me? And she was like, yeah, what size is she? And I was like, she's a 48B. <laughs> she kind of looked at me and like looked at my chest and then looked back at me. And she was like, yeah, okay, let's see what we can find. I she love was her. so nice. I love she was her. so nice. Did you find something? No, no, okay. no, no, no. I think I'm going to have to probably just order it online. I also have heard that there are like 
extenders like that you can you know so you could buy a v and there's like it like hooks you know how bra straps have the hooky thing yeah. i've seen or heard of those like those are in my consciousness somewhere so oh really yeah something to look for what's the most you've ever dressed up <laughs> actually it was the night that i got your confirmation email to come onto the podcast wait like randomly or because yeah, of it just, oh no no not because <laughs> of it it just happened to be that night wow my partner and i had been playing around and i decided that i wanted to do all of my makeup i wore a few of her articles of clothing i had my pantyhose on this really pretty flower pattern on them and my underwear and i was pretty much done up to the nines i think probably the biggest puzzle piece that's missing for me right now is i need a wig <gasps> yeah there's a quite a variety of them online totally. but it's so hard to gauge the quality of what those are like just from pictures well it also like everyone's head is different preferences are different i have like 26 or 7 wigs and like 25 of them are ones that i wear for my clone characters that we'll meet eventually in divine timing or what would your ideal one assuming that it fit you well assuming that it felt good assuming that it looked good like what style or color or shape would you like love to have i would probably try and match my natural hair color as closely as I could mm -hmm. because I feel like my skin tone matches my hair color pretty well and I wouldn't want to dye my eyebrows or anything like that because mm -hmm. it would be really fun to have a red wig like I think that would be a really fun fantasy to play out yeah but at the same time I don't know like what I need to do to make it work so I think to start with, I'm probably just going to try and find something that's like just below shoulder length. And I would like to have something with a side part, something that I can play with. More straight, wavy, curly? Probably a little bit wavy, I think would be fun. Nice. Okay, so getting back to your formative timeline, that relationship in college where you had sporadic sex that then was asexual and open, was that your first experience with polyamory? Yes, it was. And then getting rejected by the girlfriend or ghosted, I guess, the first time. So like, ghosted. what was that kind of transition out of that relationship into that relationship? And then it sounds like you and your partner dabbled in polyamory. Right. The transition was kind of difficult because eventually my emotional relationship with my partner who was asexual, it also started to strain and things ended up not working out. But then it was really complicated because where I live, housing is an absolute nightmare. And so she was having a hard time finding another place to live. The apartment that we were in, like it was pretty firmly that I was going to continue to live there and that she'd be the one to move out. But we had a group meeting with my other roommates about it. And she ended up just like staying in the living room for an extended period of time, which made things really awkward. Like it's like, OK, well, I can't really do anything at my house now. But jumping into polyamory with my current partner was really pretty easy to start with. Like, I think that she and I had so much new relationship energy for each other that it made it easier to work out any sort of issues that we were having or like we were able to just discuss what we were feeling like we needed from each other and what she needed to do to engage with her husband at the time. Mm. I mean, polyamory is always a lot of work, even just at the baseline logistically. Like, I'm going to be going with such and such. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going with such and such to this. There's a lot of planning and there's a lot of discussion. Eventually, she and I kind of started to separate ourselves a little bit from the sphere of people that we were involved with and really started to kind of focus on she and i more mm. while that was starting to happen her husband ended up wanting a divorce from her and so they broke up and that made things very difficult and stressful i mean there are aspects of it that are still very difficult and stressful to this yeah. day they have two kids so that's something that we are constantly working on to coordinate so that we all have the proper amount of time with the kids. So I would say for the most part, until relationships started to kind of fall apart in that sphere, I enjoyed that space. And we had 
meetings every week. We called ourselves a polycule. It sounds like you did some reading or had some research or like you're using jargon that poly people who have usually read the books or are like deeply in the sphere use. Like what was your learning experience like? Was it just doing it? Yeah, I didn't really dig in too deep on the literature, but there were people in our polycule that were very dug in and very, very knowledgeable and had years of experience. Okay, so you'd have polycule meetings. I think usually it was like maybe 14 or 15 people would show up and they were all very kind. That's a big poly molecule. Yeah, there was a lot of people. So that day that I met my partner for the first time, that day that she said to her friends that she wanted to lick my face, after we left, she went downtown to this event and was wondering if I had happened to go there. And I was moving that night, so I wasn't able to make it. But she ended up having what she calls a four and a half sum that night. So she and... One other woman and two other men were actively engaged in group sex. And then there was another guy who was fully clothed, but invited. He was welcome, but he didn't engage really with the group sex. He apparently just like sort of reached in occasionally and just like felt people. So that's why she calls it a four and a half. Okay, so like part voyeur, part like supportive pat person right 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 (laughs) so yeah that was funny that had i ended up being able to meet up with her that it would have been a five and a half half (laughs) right lovers we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice so i'm very excited and i'm going to do my best did you know the flora app is a safe place to open up embrace your desires and find like-minded people This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Flora and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. Had you had group sex at that point? I had never had group sex, and I've actually only ever had one group sex experience still. And that night, I was at school. I was working on my final project, I remember very clearly. And I get a Snapchat from my partner. It was a photo of her, as well as my partner's husband's partner so they were together at a bar and said do you want to come have a threesome like yep i very clearly remember saving my edit and closing (laughs) it and turning off the computer in the lab and just very fast walking to my car i was just like i gotta go i gotta go right now totally the type of invitation clear immediate like yes that's what i want to rush off for yes yes for sure And it was really awesome, too, because in that time being engaged with the polycule, I had always had interest in that other woman. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really feeling confident about approaching her or trying to coordinate with something with her. And then so for her to approach me was pretty exciting. How was it? What were the highlights? It was good. I was going doggy style on the additional woman while she was eating out my girlfriend and that was incredibly hot but the thing that i think the most about is after sex 
when we were all in bed together and all naked and I just had two women, one on either side of me, both naked, just laying on my chest. Yummy. You mentioned the polyamory is a lot of work. However, I have some knowledge because I've talked to a lot of people that monogamy is also a lot of work and they are different kinds of work. How do you compare them specifically focused on like the sexual realm? I typically tend to be a little bit more of an introverted person. It can be really hard for me to expend a lot of social energy in that respect. I feel like in the state that I am right now in a monogamous relationship, I'm able to provide more energy to one person. And I think that feels good to me. At the same time, I also recognize that one of the huge benefits of being in polyamory is that your needs don't all have to be met by one person. Yeah. And that can be really advantageous to some people. And it's a, something that we've discussed potentially getting back into. We haven't taken any steps to doing that right now, but we call ourselves monogamish, mm -hmm. even though we haven't practiced you know, non-monogamy for a fair amount of time. So I think it's good to know that she and I having an open dialogue, if one of us were to want to get back into it, I think that we could probably mm -hmm. have a conversation about it and be able to sort it out. Totally. Okay, so you mentioned being in this very hot threesome where you got to fuck a beautiful woman and watch her go down on another beautiful woman. You also like giving oral. I do. Is it vagina specific for you? It is vagina specific. I've never given a blowjob to a man. I did give the strap on that my girlfriend was wearing yesterday a blowjob. And at the same time, I was fingering her. I would like to get a bigger dildo because the one that we have is too small. It's objectively okay. just too small. Yeah, I enjoy giving oral to the extent that if I'm not feeling warmed up enough to have penetrative sex, like if I don't have a hard enough erection or if I'm not really feeling the juices flowing, then one of my defaults is to go and give my girlfriend oral sex because that will get me pumped up and ready to go. I've never really had a keen interest on receiving oral sex though, which is interesting. Really? I've never had an orgasm from a blowjob before. Is that your goal in receiving oral sex? Yeah, maybe that's part of it is that I am thinking about it as a goal, but mm. there have definitely been times where I let myself go and like didn't let myself get hung up on it okay. and still didn't have an orgasm or like get even like three quarters of the way to one. Okay. I think that it's just a dynamic that I'm not super attracted to. Okay. Like the head's too far away or? Yeah, I don't know. I There's something about it that makes it feel like strangely impersonal to me. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I prefer to be much more intimate than having my partner going down on me. How about 69ing? 69ing I do like a lot. Okay. Yeah, 69ing I do like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite 69 position or do you try different ones? Or are you, or because you're so big, are you always on the bottom? Have you ever had sex with a very tiny person? I would say the shortest woman I've ever had sex with was maybe five foot one or so. So I was like over a foot taller than her. Yeah, my partner is like five four. So, okay. But, anyways, I think pretty much I have only done 69ing while I was on top one time. Okay. And I was very nervous that I was going to like crush my partner. Like, I was worried about like restricting her airflow. Okay. So, it is more enjoyable for me to be on the bottom. Okay. And I also like having my face squished with a vagina is often to me. It is so funny to me how many people are like, I don't want to crush or smother someone, but I love being crushed and smothered. <laughs> <laughs> like that's one of my new noticings. And I'm like, oh, and I too am among them. And that's shifting for me. Now, here's a question. I have in the past few years realized the joys of like sideways 69ing and I like it because I can reach angles better and I can like still smush my pussy in a face, but I can also like really reach everything good. And, you know, it does require legs to move. But like, is that something that you have explored at all? I have never done that, but that's an interesting thought. Okay. Okay. You can report back to us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no <good>. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I have had penetrative sex in a similar ish position, but just like laying down on our sides with like my front side to her backside, doing it that way. Yeah. 
And that feels really good. It's really fun to be able to like reach around and kind of grab onto her and like hold on tightly while I'm doing that. So yeah, I guess that's not too dissimilar of a position. It may have to try it for 69ing. I mean, it's just a fun exploration. Right. Do you have any details that you want to share about what you love about giving oral specifically, if there are specifics? I have always enjoyed the flavor of vaginas. Like there's something about the taste of them that always like gets me turned on and the smell and like the texture and being so close, like being able to not see anything but a vagina is really cool to me. Do you think that's related to your early teddy bear experience with oh, the, or shit. not teddy you the picture? Like <laughs> maybe. Who knows? Because <laughs> it was like a super that's wow. That's fast. I have never thought of that before. That's fascinating. Have you ever tried putting a teddy bear next to a <laughs> vagina and just focusing on it? Or recreating that picture yourself as a photographer? I got a whole stack. I have oh three gosh. boxes of Playboys that I bought for myself from 1969, 1979, 1989, 1999, 2009, and 2019. And my goal is to go through and use them to kind of like recreate shoots for myself and just like use them as inspiration. But I haven't gotten there yet because I've been going around so much this past year but that would be cool if you did the teddy bear one it'd be also be cool if i came across the teddy bear one in my boxes yeah if you come across that teddy bear you have to let me know i absolutely will or if any listeners out there ever come across the teddy bear vagina shot we would love to <laughs> please see send it in email yeah. It. <laughs> um, okay. yeah basically immersion being fully mm. immersed pussy immersion yeah pussy immersion okay so it sounds like you are not really into dudes or exploring dude bodies. However, it sounds like you were open to being in a morsome where there were other man bodies involved. Did I get that right? Yeah. I guess the closest I've ever come to having a sexual experience with a man involved was actually my first girlfriend in high school. I completely forgot about this. She and I and another guy all went in her car and drove out to a really remote place. Basically, each of us had sex with her. He had sex with her first, and then I followed up after him. So that, I would say, is probably the closest that I've come to, to having a sexual experience. How did man. that unfold? You got in a car and went somewhere remote. Did you talk about it? Was she initiating, or was it like... Yeah, she was initiating it. Cool. And what's interesting is that I think we went out there just to like smoke cigarettes and be teenagers. Okay. And she turned to both of us and asked, do you guys want to have sex? And both of us were like, yes, absolutely. So I stood out of the car while she and him got into her trailblazer. There was like privacy? I love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, they had some privacy. Wow. And I just very clearly remember the whole car, like, you know, midsize SUV, just like shaking back and forth pretty aggressively. And part of me was like, oh, shit, I have to follow up that. <gasps> <laughs> I got in there and I did the best that I could. And I think that it was a good experience for all three of us. Oh, wow. I think one thing that I'm as of recently maybe starting to realize is that. I don't have an aversion to a penis as a penis. Mm -hmm. I'm not unattracted to penises. Mm -hmm. I think that what I'm unattracted to is masculinity. Oh, like, I don't think that yeah. I really have any pursuit or interest in masculine figures. Okay. Like I've tried looking at gay porn to try and sort out if that's an element of it. And gay porn doesn't really do anything for me. But women who are penis-owning individuals, mm -hmm. I mean, that gets me quite turned on to watch that on occasion. Yeah. So what took place between that first pair of pink panties from Walmart and dressing up the night that I just happened to send you the confirmation for the interview? Like, what evolved in there? And like, what is it about cross-dressing that makes you feel yummy? Or how does it make you feel yummy? I think it makes me feel yummy because it's interesting to me to explore my more effeminate side because in my day-to-day -day life, you know, I do carpentry, I've built multiple houses and barns and all of that stuff pretty much solely by hand. And so outwardly, I am a very, from my perspective, I think a very masculine individual. 
And I think it's fun for me to just let go of all of that and not think about it and explore the concept of what it would be like to be having sex or experiencing, you know, whatever I'm experiencing from a feminine perspective. I think that's what gets me excited about it. I also think that given where I'm from, there was always a lot of cultural stigma and a lot of negative energy around people who have interest in cross-dressing or trans folks or, you know, that kind of sphere. So there was an element of it that was very taboo to me. And I know that word taboo is something that you've been trying to unpack on the podcast. I'm trying to understand it for myself. I understand other people's versions. I just don't know if I will ever feel taboo, you know? Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically just like an unspoken societal norm that I'm breaking. That was, I think, one of the initial things that got me excited about it. And then I remember my first time with anal stimulation, too. I was working, my first job was that I went and worked on a ranch and I was doing fencing work and, you know, kind of maintenance, digging trenches, like a lot of really hard stuff. And I found a condom in the medicine cabinet and I was like, huh, I wonder if I could do anything with that. So I had my own bedroom at that ranch house. So I took the condom, which already had lube on it and just stuck it up my ass and like, Played. I don't know if I fully reached my prostate, but I was definitely able to stimulate myself a lot. Mm. And I masturbated with that. And that was the first anal experience that I ever had. Cool. Yeah. Did you have any like emotional feelings around it? Were you like, cool, I did it. Uh, I think that I was like very scared. Okay. Like, I think I was like extremely nervous, like diligently making sure that I left no traces. And then... I even in my brain was like, oh my God, they're going to notice that a condom is missing. Like, even though it was a big multi-pack, like with a bunch of condoms, like there was no chance that anybody would notice. But my overanalyzing brain, the same brain that came up with a contingency plan when I lost my virginity (laughs) was like, they are definitely going to know that I use this and I stuck it up my ass and I am never going to be able to escape this image. Luckily, none of those things happened and nobody ever found out about it. And now I'm talking about it to your listenership. So thousands of people know now. Thousands. So tell us a little bit more about like your anal pleasures. And do you ever enjoy giving them too? Because you recently retook up pegging. Right, right. Like I said, I want to buy a bigger dildo. I mean, it is small, like it is like a starter dildo and it's maybe as long as my pinky, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit longer, but the girth is only about the size of my thumb. It's really small. But isn't it great to be left wanting more instead of like, oh no, that was too much and I'm not going back toward there. I did that one time. I got a inflatable butt plug (gasps) and I used it one time and never used it. Oh, really? Because one pump of it and I immediately was like, oh no, this is like too wide for me like length i can handle but if it gets girthy that's when it gets tough okay but over the years i've had kind of a variety of things one of my favorites it's a set of beads silicone and it gets progressively wider maybe like an inch or so wide and that's one of my favorite things because it's got a little bit of rigidity to it mm-hmm. and it can be pulled and pushed and pulled and pushed. Mm-hmm. I've got a vibrating butt plug as well. I really want to get a toy that's called a come hither. It's basically like vibrates on the outside of it and then it does this and stimulates the prostate. Cool. I really want to get one of those, but they're kind of expensive. Yeah. So yeah, I have done a fair bit of experimentation on myself. My partner who ended up telling me that she was asexual. So at the beginning of our relationship, before she had expressed that to me, she very seldomly wanted to have vaginal sex and she mostly only wanted to have anal sex. Okay. How was that for you? It was great. I love that. Yeah. She didn't have to like talk you into it. I definitely had a boyfriend that was like, I don't know about that place. And one day I was like, I have a yeast infection. We can't do it. And he's like, okay, I'll try it. Right. Yeah. I would say we probably had twice as much anal sex as we did vaginal sex. Wow. Okay. And I really enjoyed that. We never had any 
like cleanliness issues at all. Mm -hmm. Like we never ran into that issue ever. And we actually never used a douche either. So I think we were lucky in that respect. Cool. Okay. Does it feel different? I've heard various reports from people that they can tell the difference, that they can't tell the difference. Like a lot of it, it's like mental or psychological. What's the part that you love about it? I think that the only time I could feel a difference is when my partner at the time would like really clench. And to be honest, I think that I preferred it when she was relaxed more mm -hmm. okay. than like trying to get clenched because that led to some problems. Like it pulled my condom off one time, like yes. makes things kind of difficult. But other than that, the experience of doing it is fun for me. I think just like the thought of the action is probably more impactful than the action itself. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is, you know, something different than my understanding of what most people's sex lives do. You know, yeah. I think that's across the board. A lot of the things that I like to do, I think that's a big part of what gets me excited about them is kind of deviating from the norm a little bit. I guess I would technically consider it kinky. Some people do, some people don't. Right. It took me a long time to realize that anal is kinky for some people and is just part of the daily menu for others. So I think it depends on how a person is experiencing it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like in the capacity of like my partner pegging me, I would definitely consider that to be more on the kinky side of things. Yeah. But when my previous partner and I would engage in anal sex, like it was such a common occurrence for us that like it didn't really feel as kinky as getting pegged does. Yeah, yeah. There can be vanilla anal. I think, yeah, vanilla you know? anal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what else do we need to know about your sex life or your sexual preferences or desires to have a full picture of Kenyan sex stories? In the times that I've engaged with outdoor sex, that has been a really thrilling experience for me. The first time that I ever had outdoor sex was with this gal that I was mostly just casually having sex with in that six month period between my girlfriend who is asexual and my current partner starting is when that happened but she and i were walking around on our campus one night and it was probably i don't know maybe two o'clock in the morning or so and we went to the secluded spot off of where the path was lit and had sex there that was my first experience with outdoor sex like public sphere was it like a bench was it like a like where no it was just right on the grass and <laughs> i guess the sprinklers had just run not too long before that because i didn't realize it but i laid down and took my pants off and as i'm laying there like my back got completely soaked uh -huh. water like i was like freezing my ass off after that <laughs> but that was really fun and my current partner and I, about a year ago, were on a road trip and I saw a sign that was just like a little ranch access sign. And we went up a hill, parked on the shoulder of the ranch access road. Like there's a fairly low probability of traffic, but it's not zero. Yep. Can't remember if she was on the hood of the car or if she was laid <laughs> in the driver's seat, but we had sex there. The chance of getting caught was really exciting for that too amazing okay what fantasies or bucket list items would you like to like pursue going forward in life a bucket list item for me i think i would be very interested in trying sex with a trans woman i think that would be an interesting dynamic for me but i would also like to do that with my partner and I think potentially like going to a sex party in some capacity would be fun. But also I tend to be a little bit self-conscious of myself with new people. And so I think that would take some work for me to break through that barrier to engage with that sort of an environment. Would it make a difference if you were like trying to play with other people, assuming you and your partner agreed on that? Or would it be the same if it was just you and your partner playing and like watching other people in the vibe? I think probably the way to start would be for my partner and I to engage with each other and get kind of acquainted with that space before we went our separate ways and went and 
did our own things. But that's kind of something that I've only been noodling on fairly recently and haven't really talked to my partner about it. So I think I'd like to, you know, discuss with her. I also don't know any resources for how to even get involved with something like that where I live. So I think it would probably take a little bit more research. Mm -hmm. I feel you. Okay. So what are your sexual hopes, more broadly speaking, for yourself going forward? Circling back to self-confidence, I think I'd like to try and feel more confident about myself in that capacity. Do you ever take pictures of yourself, nude or otherwise? I have not recently. My partner and I and our friends actually last night were thinking that it would be really fun to conduct a photo shoot with all of my lights and me cross-dressing. I think that would be something fun to do moving forward. Mm. I think it would probably help some if I could see the way that I actually look more instead of the way that I feel like I look. Yeah, it helped me. Especially when I cut off all my hair and I was like, what am I? Who am I? Will I ever, am I a person? Will I ever be loved again? And I also read this book, I think it was just like an Amazon download for like $3 called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And the main point of it, which I've now read in other more woo books, is like stare into your own eyes in the mirror and love yourself out loud. You know, so I would be, I use all my names, but like I love and accept myself exactly as I am right now. Or I say I love you exactly as you are right now, like to the mirror. And I know that it sounds crazy and like lots of people have resistance to it, but it has really helped me. Wow. That's awesome. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I would pick my mid to early teenage years and I would tell myself that it is okay to be patient not everything has to happen all at once like things take time and it's okay to not be instantly gratified in what you're pursuing sexually like because when I was around that age I always had this like looming fear that I was like oh I'm never gonna have sex like I'm gonna be a virgin forever and I don't really know why I thought that but that was definitely something I remember feeling and if I were able to tell myself that, I think it would have been something that would have been very comforting to hear at the time. Absolutely. I feel like I needed to hear that again, too. <laughs> Kenyon, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you so much for having me. Is there a sex question that you would like to ask me? If you could have any guest on the show from any time in history to learn about their sex lives, who would it be and why? Lovely humans, thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. <laughs> I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. Mm -hmm.